efforts in leading us in worship. It's amazing for us to know that we have such dedicated individuals who will seek to lead us in worship, not in just what is the most popular of the contemporary Christian music, but in word and in song and in spirit that is honoring and glorifying to our Lord and is so fitting with the, the heart of the church today. It is not just a, we reach in the basket and pick out a song that we like, but the prayerful care and concern that is taken for the worship that we sing is evident in regular worship. Obviously, this last week has been one of the hardest weeks in recent history for Elk Point Baptist Church. Um, I want to encourage each one of you, as I did last week, that we continue to demonstrate that love that is to be a defining mark of a Christian church. And we particularly show it among our family here at Elk Point Baptist. By continuing to love one another in this way, we provide a salve for the pain that all of us are experiencing, and we also glorify God in our hearts. And please don't hesitate to reach out to your brothers and sisters if you have need in this time. This isn't a guess-who game where we have to try and figure out who, who needs love and who's doing all right. Um, please make it known. If, and that doesn't have to be, me, be to me. It doesn't have to be to the elders because myself and the elders were only a few and there's many of you, but I am proud to say as a pastor here that I can look around and see any number of mature and caring believers that I would trust to give good and strong biblical advice and comfort. So if you have those people in your circle that you feel prepared and comfortable to reveal your need, please don't hesitate to do so because, like I said, we, we can't always guess and some of us have gotten tremendously good at hiding behind our walls and our pretend game of I'm okay. And if you're not okay, that's okay. That's a lot of what we've been talking about in the last little bit. But all that said, myself and the elders are always available um, to care for and pray for you as, as we can. And as we continue to worship today through the reading and preaching of God's word, would you, would you pray with me? Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Time and time again we keep coming back to this, that without your word we would be left so desperately adrift, uncertain of how to handle our daily lives 
we would not know your truth. Indeed, without your word, we would not have the church. Lord, you have given us your holy word to guide and direct us and to teach us and to reprove us and to shepherd us as it is rightly applied into Christ-likeness. Lord, I pray for myself and for Tim and the other elders and for Pastor Jim as we continue to spend time in your word and seeking to preach your words rightly. God, that you would guide and direct our hearts and that we would interpret it and apply it in a way that is honoring to you, is faithful to your word, and is helpful and gainful for your people. Lord, I thank you for the shepherding care that we see within this church and pray that that would only increase. I thank you that even in the last days I've seen a increase in a desire to know your word and to know your truth. Lord, may all things, good or bad or anywhere in between, drive us to know your word better to be able to apply it to our hearts and our lives and our minds. And as we read today, we pray that that same principle would be applied. Thank you for these things. We thank you for our time. pray in Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday we were reminded by Jason Goulet of the importance of lament. That we are able to come to God and cry out is affirmed by the example of Scripture. God is not embarrassed by our helpless cries. God is not surprised by our need for Him when He seems far away. I personally was tremendously encouraged by Pastor Jason's message, and I know I've received umpteen messages of people saying the same. And so our thanks will go out to Pastor Jason and for his kids and their faithful leading of worship as well. This morning, I don't want to dive too far, too much further into the theology of lament. But I do want to try to remind us what the other side of the hill looks like. Psalm 40 is somewhat unique in that it is a kind of combination psalm. If you look at any of the various charts that you'll see on, on uh, commentaries and even online, the Psalm 40 kind of gets a multi-fasted categorization. It is a thanksgiving and a lament psalm. It's a labeled in our scriptures as a psalm of David. And here, David opens this psalm thanking the Lord for his deliverance. And that is indeed what we look forward to today. But the back half is categorized as another lament. And it reminds us that our need for God does not end with his deliverance. We cry out 
and God delivers us. But our troubles will again rear their heads. And until we are called home, we will always need the deliverance of the Lord. So would you please read Psalm 40 with me? I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. And here we come again into the lament psalm. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who put to shame and let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. As we have been reading here, the very first first verse of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. David waited patiently for the Lord. As we reel from our current loss, we must realize that our deliverance likely will not be immediate. But he will hear our cries. I know I have found myself in that same trap of calling out to God and when things don't change right away, go, God didn't hear me. Or 
God just decided he didn't want to answer my prayer in the way that I'd hoped. And honestly, sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we hope. Often he doesn't. But I think a lot of times one of our great struggles is that we jump the gun. We pray and we do not see an immediate cause and effect and go, well, that didn't work. But God is not some genie in a lamp that we rub and we ask and it is done. God is not the heavenly gumball machine that we drop our prayer in the machine and pull the lever and out comes what we ask for. God does what he wills in his own timing and he promises that he will hear our cries. Our cries are not separated from him. We can trust that he will draw us up from the pit in which we find ourselves and set our feet upon a rock, making our steps secure. He will put a new song in our mouths, a song of praise to our God. And ultimately, this will cause others to see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Pastor Jason reminded us of the structure of the lament that at the very least is a complaint followed by a bold request followed by a statement of trust in the Lord. For us to trust in God, one of the important ingredients in our hearts and in our minds as we earnestly desire to trust God I can look around this room and know that for the majority of us, we aren't starting from a standpoint that is skeptical of God. But at the same time, still in the midst of times such as these, we want to trust God, but we need, we need something to help us get there. And one of the ways that he has caused us to be able to do that is for us to remember what we have to trust in. God has proven his faithfulness. And even in a time such as this, he will prove his faithfulness again. And as we trust him, he cares for us. And as, we, as he cares for us, we confess his goodness. Notice that the goodness that God is showing in many of these situations is deliverance from the mire and the darkness of our world. Our belief doesn't shield us from the darkness that we will see in this world. Too many cheap gospel presentations give this idea, well, give your life to Jesus and everything will be rosy. You'll put on your rose-colored glasses and you'll skip through the rest of your life because God's got it and you're going to have a great life. Well, I'm pretty sure every single one of us can recognize today the absolute farce that that is. We will still experience pain no matter how good, no matter how godly, no matter how right, no matter how careful, no matter how out there, no matter how reserved. It doesn't matter what we do. We will still experience pain. 
the reason why a third of the Psalms are lament is that it's going to be a part of our lives whether we are good people or bad people, whether we are living our lives rightly and righteously before the Lord or whether we are living lives of sin and darkness. But just because we aren't shielded from the darkness that our world is throwing at us doesn't mean that God is not good in the midst of it. No, his goodness quite often is delivering us from that darkness. While those of the world who do not know Christ, when they hit the darkest hours of their lives, they have nowhere to turn. They have no one and nothing to trust in. But praise God, we do. We have his promise and his truth and his character to hold on to in the midst of these trials, and he will deliver us from the mire and darkness of our world. Our belief doesn't shield us from the world's woes. It gives us hope to cling to in turbulent times. Throughout the Thanksgiving portion in verses 1 through 11, we see the cycle of God's care for his people and the people glorifying God. God cares for me, I glorify him. God cares for me, I glorify him. But in verse 12, David re-engages in lament. And although I doubt any of us have said it quite this way, does verse 12 resonate with any of you? For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. I don't know about you, but that feels a little bit too real today. We've lost someone near and dear to us. And that is one of the evils and the struggles that we are experiencing in our life. Obviously, that one sings the clearest in the midst of all of these things. When we think of what evil we are experiencing today, that is obviously the, the first that comes to mind. But then we have the day-to-day evils, the I have no work, or my boss is, or my employees are, or my family is, or you can point your finger at whatever struggles and evils and difficulties we face in our life, and it is easy to get this idea that evils have encompassed me beyond number. We do not live in a world that is getting better and better until Jesus comes. We live in a world that is sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness and is more and more and more desperately in need of the saving work of Christ. And while we may not feel the, uh, the gloating about the evils that pile up around us today as much as David did of the people who were gloating over the evils that he was experiencing, we still have that same cry to God from verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. I 
as one brother to another, as one sister to another, as one family with one voice, we cry out to God on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of each other. But may all who seek you, Lord, rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. We are most certainly in the darkest part of the cycle. But I hope that each one of you can recall a time where you can say, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. And even as you remember that, you may hope that he would do so again. Call out for him to hurry in his coming and do so with the assurance that he has done so before and he will do so again. This is our hope as believers. We don't believe in a God with an unproven track record. He is good and he has proven himself as such. He is faithful and his faithfulness has been demonstrated time and time again. He is trustworthy and he has shown himself to be worthy of that trust across generations. So where you and I stand today in the valley of the shadow of death, overshadowed by the mountains that surround us in the deepest, darkest part of the valley, let us not lose sight of our God and our, his character, who he is. Today and in our current circumstances, we may not see anything redeeming. We may not see even a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel, but we know that there is one. We know that every single dark and desperate tunnel that any of us has ever entered, by God's grace, we have been guided through by the one of whom the psalmist says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God has given us his word and he has faithfully cared for us thus far. We can hope that he will again cause us to delight in his great faithfulness. I know in my experience, as I read that passage about God's word being a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, I know that personally, at the best of times, that lamp seems to be shining bright and I can see three and four steps ahead. But in the darkest of times, in the miry bog, in the dark pit, however you want to put it, that lamp seems to just show the next inch of the shuffle step. Sometimes we won't be able to see the, where God is taking us and what his plan is in the midst of our situations. But we have to just be faithful to take that next little shuffle step along the path that he has designed for us and to trust that he's shown himself to be good before. Why would we start to doubt it now? He has shown himself to be good in each trial that we have ever experienced. He's shown himself to be good in each 
trial that his people experienced. He's shown himself to be good time and time and time again through the word, and we need to hold on to that if we expect to be able to follow his direction out of the valley that we're currently in. But thankfully, that's not the end of our story. Our entire eternity is not just shuffle-stepping through the evils of this world. There will be a final deliverance where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. But until then, we carry on trusting that he will deliver us as we have need. And he will take thought for his people. And importantly, we continue to remind each other of his faithfulness when the night threatens to overwhelm us. That doesn't mean we go to one another and say, you know what, it's okay because there's a good plan for this. That's not helpful. But we can go to one another and say, as painful and as dark as this is, we will walk together shuffle step by shuffle step, not alone, brothers and sisters, arm in arm, a family that will get through this together. A family put together by the Lord our God for our good and for his glory. We are a family and we will continue on along God's sovereign path together. Step by step. Until once again we can recognize that God has indeed drawn us up from the pit in which we find ourselves today. Would you pray with me? God, let us not be overwhelmed by the darkness that seems to be all around us. And God, we pray with the psalmist here, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver us. O Lord, make haste to help us. And God, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. God, right now we are indeed poor and needy. But we are not cast out from your thought, O Lord. We are not forgotten. You are our help. You are our deliverer. God, do not delay. God, pull us up out of the miry bog and set our feet upon the rock that is Christ. Lord, there is no other hope elsewise. And God, may we continue to walk arm in arm with our brothers and sisters, not just in times of trial and tribulation and struggle as we experience right now, but day in and day out, so that when these trials do rear their heads, that we are already walking together as a family, and we will continue to do so. God, I thank you for the 
connection that you have created within Elk Point Baptist Church, this family of brothers and sisters in the Lord who seek to care for one another. But Lord, this family camaraderie that we are designed to have, Lord, can even become more in our church. Lord, that those who are among our midst would have to recognize that there is a bond that binds us together and that is much more than just a group of people who show up at the same building on Sundays, but that we care for one another day in and day out. And that we worship the same God with the same desire for your glory in all that we say and do, not just here on Sundays, but throughout the week and in each day of our lives. God, we commit this week to you. And we ask that your word would light our path even just a little bit further. That we would delve deeply into your word and your truth that we might see that next step. And Lord, as we see that next step, that you would give us the courage to take it. Because knowing your path and following it are two very different things. God, may we have the courage and the strength to follow you even in the midst of the valley. Knowing that we have a great shepherd who will lead us and guide us and protect us even when things seem absolutely unassailably evil. Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word and your goodness. And we thank you that we can trust you because you have shown yourself to be worthy of that trust. We don't just have to take your word for it. As authoritative as your word is, we even get to see it in action, Lord. And what a blessing that is. Go with us this week. Guard and protect our hearts and our minds and use us for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.